morning. Is there anything that you believed in as a child that you don't believe in now as an adult? Whoever said Santa Claus, you're a liar. Santa's real. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of things that we get uh, told, you know, things that parents tell kids and stuff like that. Um, I, on occasion, don't get along as well as I should with my mom, but I still to this day won't try to intentionally step on a crack for the fear that it would break my mother's back. (laughs) There's a song by uh, the Christian rapper, and yes, I know I had to get some Christian rap into my sermon, uh, by the Christian rapper Andy Minio titled Now I Know, in which he basically talks about different things that he used to believe, but he doesn't believe any longer. And the song features a variety of beliefs that Andy had when he was younger. For instance, his sister fills him in that the wrestling that he watches and loves to watch is, in fact, scripted. He didn't want to believe it when he found out that Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds both used performance-enhancing drugs to reach the home run statistics that they achieved in the late 90s and early 2000s. And one of the lines is just funny and probably something that countless parents have told their children He says, I used to walk up to them automatic doors. My mama told me that my finger was the power source. So I pointed with my pointer, then pow, it was open. Then come to find out, she was joking. (laughs) But then the song moves on to more serious topics about how he used to believe his father, who separated from his mother when he was very young, he used to believe that he would come to his his, uh, games. I'm assuming he's talking about football from different things that he's talked about in his songs. But he used to believe his father would come to his games, even though he never did. How his mother believed that he was so innocent, and then ended up catching him having sex when he was in high school. He believed that independent music artists were actually independent, only to find out that often these artists have backing from major record labels in secret in order to maintain the illusion of an independent artist while gaining the advantages in the market of actual independent artists artists to gain more attention and financial gain. And most importantly, he touched on his standing in society versus his eternal standing with God. He says, used to believe I wanted fame, plus my name written in them lights. Now I know it's so much greater because it's written in the hand of Christ. Today I want to examine what the world wants us to believe versus what we should or do believe, according to Scripture. I'd like us to look at some well-known people from the Bible who chose to believe, even if what they faced seemed to be impossible. And finally, I'd like to pose a question. Will you still believe? Now, the world that we live in is one that is full of people, and many of those people, you're not going to believe this, have very strong opinions on a great many things. Anyone who has any form of social media probably knows this because people are very willing to shout just about anything from the figurative rooftops of the internet. It's a lot easier when you don't have to stare somebody in the face. And in this day and age, opinions are flung at us constantly, whether it's through the internet, books, television, movies, or just interactions in stores and public places that we visit on the regular 
if it fits whatever the current popular opinion is, or oftentimes if it seemingly flies directly in the face of our values as followers of Christ, there is usually at least one person that's willing to scream at us that that is a scientific fact, not an opinion. Or that if you don't agree with whatever it is that they do, well, you're probably just homophobic or transphobic or bigoted or racist or sexist, uh, and you probably hate everyone and you just want everyone to be miserable. You're probably also that person who wants them to follow a bunch of rules that are handed down by a hateful God who is also homophobic, bigoted, etc. Or a God that doesn't exist and is merely a creation of man to try to get people to adhere to your hateful rhetoric. The point I'm getting to is that there's a vast array of ideas that a decent portion of society believe that are directly contradictory to what we are supposed to believe and to who our God is. The world says it's important to be powerful, be cutthroat and scratch and claw your way to the insert your company, your uh, corporation here, tear down other people so that you get to be in charge, or go to the incredible extremes and seek out war and violence to gain power by the world's standards. And then on the flip side of that giant mess is Jesus Christ, the same Jesus Christ who is literally God in the flesh, came as a lowly infant. He didn't become a great earthly warrior king, but a servant. He healed others and raised people from the dead. He didn't incite violence, but rather told those who listened to his words to love their enemies and to love one another. We live in a society that equates great financial and material wealth, along with the popularity that comes with being famous as being successful. The entertainment industry is all about this idea. Flash a hundred diamonds on your watch and you've definitely hit the big time. Hit the red carpet with a $15,000 dress and a $5,000 Prada bag so everyone will know that you're what's in right now. Show off the $10 million worth of cars in your garage to properly showcase what you've accomplished or gained. First Timothy 6, 6 through 10, and I apologize, I did not put every single scripture in here because it would have been literally 60 slides long for Chrissy to have to go through. So you'll just have to do the crazy thing and pull out your Bible or your phone. First Timothy 6, 6 through 10, but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 and verse 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters for he, for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. 
And I've said it a thousand different times when I've presented messages here at Cornerstone. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with having material possessions. But when those things rule you or when they become more of a God than God in your life, it's simply a lifestyle that doesn't lead to eternal life. And then there's the belief system of the almighty entertainment industry, whether it's movies, TV shows, books, music, and now the countless internet-based platforms that feature user-created content from anyone and everyone, it seems. There are worldly viewpoints that are constantly pushed onto society. We're taught to believe that it's all good and we shouldn't have qualms about anything that's being presented to us. I feel particularly bad for parents of young children right now um, it seems as if even the seemingly most innocent children's media almost has to be screened before sharing it with your child, whether it's cartoons, books, social media influencers, uh, any, everything seems to be a possible way to indoctrinate our young people with concepts that rebel against biblical truths. We're told to do whatever feels good or right. In many cases, we're told to make these decisions with little to no contemplation of the moral or spiritual implications that those decisions might have. If you're attracted to someone, just go ahead and sleep with them. There's nothing wrong with having a little fun. Feelings or commitment aren't a big, any kind of a big deal or the sanctity of marriage, especially if you're young. Just have a good time. It's also perfectly fine to degrade women or to objectify men. After all, if you're not in for a relationship, who needs feelings to come into play? Just do what feels good. Sexuality in general is just a wide spectrum of possibilities. Live your life how you want to live it. But the Bible says otherwise. 1 Corinthians 6, 18-20 says, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you know, not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. If the marriage isn't working out and you're fighting all the time, don't bother trying to work it out. Get divorced. Or cheat on your spouse. What they don't know doesn't matter, as long as you're getting what you want. Hebrews 13.4, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. And then Matthew 19.6 So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Go ahead and drink yourself stupid. It doesn't matter if you're depressed or celebrating something special or just want to party. You might as well go ahead and live it up. After all, it's all about having a good time and just doing what feels good. Proverbs 20, uh, 20 verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Isaiah 5.22 says, Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink. If there's something that you want, say it's in a store, you see, you know, that, that magazine, or maybe it's something more expensive, that you want, just take it. You deserve to have things, even if you can't afford them or just don't feel like paying. If it's on your neighbor's back porch, that's just fine too. You probably wanted it more than they did. 
Ephesians 4.28 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And Exodus 20.17 says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Now, obviously I'm going to some extremes with these examples of worldly views, Some media doesn't necessarily portray any of these things in this manner. Some of it is more subtle, and in some ways that's almost a little bit more devious. And the subject matter that we touched on is typically full of nuance and fine details that unfortunately we just don't have time to discuss in full right now. But the truth is that much of what we are told is normal, whether it's by some form of media or even people that we meet or know in our everyday life. It's far from the normal that God desires from us. And what the world believes about God is often far removed from the truth of who he is. Many believe he doesn't exist, or that he's a God who just wants everyone to be miserable. Who deprives us of all the things that would make life better or more exciting or more fun? After all, what kind of God would want us to be deprived of the many pleasures that this world has to offer? Psalm 109-105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Proverbs 3-5-8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. First Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of our God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to know knowledge of the truth. The world tells us that God's holding us back, that we're missing out on something by following him, that we're depriving ourselves of some of these things, whether it be random sex with whoever or drugs or just having a good time that we are just missing out on all of that by following God. But the Scripture tells us that God's Word and who He is are leading us on the path that benefits us. Following His commands lead to healing instead of hurt, salvation rather than destruction. The world tells us that we don't need help. Just do it yourself or have other people help you. I can do all things through me who strengthens me, right? Is that the verse? 1 Chronicles 16, 11-12 says this, Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that He has done, His miracles and the judgments He uttered. Isaiah 41, 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then we get to the idea of what comes after this life. 
How do we get to heaven? It's not a big deal. If, if you're a good person, you'll get through the pearly gates. And if God doesn't exist, well, it won't matter anyways if I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior because I'll just be dead and gone like everyone else. But John 3.36 says that's not the case. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And Acts 4, 11 and 12 say, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The Scriptures tell us very plainly and emphatically that eternal life comes through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So we've taken a look at some of the things that we as followers of Christ believe, and we could go on and on with just that. We could take up 12 sermons with what it is that we believe based on the good word. But the question remains, will you still believe in the face of adversity? Now, if any of you are like me, you've probably had a time or two where you struggled to believe in yourself. Maybe you faced a rejection of some sort, whether it was a promotion you got turned down for or a love interest who turned you down for a date. Maybe you screwed up something on the job or even got fired or laid off. Maybe you made financial mistakes and found yourself in massive amounts of debt. But regardless of whatever that situation was, you lost faith in yourself. And I've personally been through each and every one of those uh, situations I just described. <clears throat> Excuse me. When I worked at Walmart, <clears throat> uh, I didn't get the electronics department p- manager position that I had put in for, despite having vast experience in that area because I was there for way too long. <laughs> and basically trying to manage the department in between supervisors on my own because it was just kind of turning into chaos. But I was told that the person who got the job interviewed better than I did. I don't really think back on the uh, few girls I tried to get dates with. And when I say that, I'm going to make a correction. I never think back on the few girls. <laughs> Shout out to Chrissy. <laughs> but I don't think about the, <laughs> the girls that I tried to date when I was younger because I was fortunate enough to have my wife find me, despite me being completely oblivious to her flirting at work. But I went through a period of time where I thought that I would just die a lonely old hermit to the point that I was borderline depressed whenever I suffered some sort of rejection. When I worked at Lowe's, I had a huge flooring sale that ended up being, at the time it was I think about $36,000 between materials and installation. Sounds like a good thing, right? But unfortunately, parts of my training weren't where they needed to be easily uh, to easily get me through this process. Um, and I went into work stressed out just about every single day over the probably over a month that it took to get everything finalized. And at one point, I actually thought I was going to lose this huge sale simply because I wasn't knowledgeable enough in my position to get everything done as fast as this couple wanted it to be done. And my last job with NVR Building Products, I was laid off just about two months before Christmas. 
And I don't remember if I've mentioned this before or not, but the part of the reason that I got put onto the chopping block was because I had attendance issues. I made a lot of poor sleep choices. I was working almost an hour from home, so if I woke up late, I was going to be late. <laughs> and that was pretty much what made it so I ended up getting laid off, and it was the first time that I've ever been let go from a job. When I was younger, I say when I was younger, but I still don't always make the best decisions, I spent money wildly on credit cards and made poor decisions that made for high car payments on a car I didn't really need, jobs that didn't pay enough to take care of my bills, and eventually I was forced to seek the help of my parents, not once, but more than once. Now all of these situations have one thing in common. Even though I believe in God and that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, even though I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, even though I know that the God of the universe is here now and that I can speak to him seeking his guidance and peace, in every one of those situations, I failed miserably to do just that. And that might be the difference between myself and some of you. Many of you have probably hit a rough patch in life, and the first thing that you did was to pray. The first thing you did was to open up your Bible and to read Scripture and to, to give your circumstances up to God. Unfortunately, some of you might also be in the same boat that I am, the one where you just have the tendency to shut down and to try to cope with life on your own or to rely solely on fallible humans. I didn't look to him when I faced rejection or for guidance in trying to find the woman who would spend the rest of her life with me. I failed to look to the father when I didn't get that new position at work, seeking his comfort or to thank him for having a job in the first place. I never went to the Lord in prayer asking for the wisdom and the strength to get through the process of that flooring sale or to give me patience when dealing with asking for a change on the installer's floor plans for the eighth time in two weeks. When I lost my job right before the holidays, I didn't pray for peace in what seemed like one of the darkest times of my life. I didn't reach out to God to help me break through my depression or let him remind me that it wasn't the actual end of the world. And when I felt that my financial situation had completely spiraled out of control, not once did I bother to seek his face that he might try to help me out of the money pit that I dug myself into. Despite my Christian upbringing and words of wisdom that others and even myself have put forth from the pulpit on a Sunday morning, despite knowing that God is in control, I shut out the very one who could help me in more ways than I could ever know. Jeremiah 17:5-8 says, Thus says the Lord, Curses the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and, it is, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. When we trust in ourselves, when we trust in other people before God, 
When we turn from our Heavenly Father, we're lost. We're devoid of life. But when we believe in who He is, what He's done, and what He can do, we're vibrant, nourished, strengthened through Him. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to Me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For My yoke is easy, and My burden is light. Maybe you've, in this case, probably the vast majority of you have taken this step of repenting and being baptized. You've been made new by the power of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And what that means is that you accepted that it is by the power of His blood that your sins are washed away. Ephesians 2, 8-10 through For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. With that being said, if we believe that it is only through Him that we can be saved, how is it that we sometimes end up faltering in the the belief of His great power in the rest of our life? That verse in Matthew chapter 11 doesn't say, come follow me and then, well, you're on your own after that. We're called to cast our burdens on Him when we face turmoil. Again, it isn't me who strengthens me. It is Christ who strengthens me. God's power is the driving force behind every Sunday school Bible hero. And I say that just because these are the stories that pretty much every kid knows. Without God, Abraham isn't the father of many nations. Without God, Moses never leads the Israelites out of Egypt, let alone parts the Red Sea. Without God, the Philistine giant doesn't fall. Without God, the walls of Jericho never come crashing down. Without God, Esther and all the Jewish people are killed. Without God, Daniel ends up being a meal for some lions. Without God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego burn up in a fiery furnace. All of these people believed, even in the face of extreme adversity, whether it was Abraham and Sarah's old age, or a Pharaoh's hardened heart, a plot of extermination by the wicked Haman, or the arrogant pride of King Nebuchadnezzar, these men and women overcame what was seemingly impossible because they believed in the power of the one true God. When it seems that the whole world is against us, when we get the news that we were dreading from the doctor, when we find out that our spouse was unfaithful, when the bills are piling high, when father, sister, cousin, friend, coworker that we love so dearly passes away suddenly or after a long struggle with illness, when we are persecuted for our faith, even to the death, the question is, will you still believe? I'm not going to tell you that it's easy. You can tell from my own testimony that it's not. <laughs> I've literally stood in this exact same spot and spoken about keeping strong in your faith through the trials of this life. I've taught lessons in Sunday morning classes from the book You'll Get Through This by Max Lucado that were filled with stories 
and scripture about turning to the power of Almighty God when we feel as if nothing matters, and still I've faltered. Still I've tried to just do it on my own instead of trusting in Him. Because sometimes we think that we're stronger than we really are. Sometimes we get the notion that God hasn't answered our prayer in a timely fashion or in the way that we want, so we'll just do it our way instead. Maybe we get this idea that life should be a little bit easier, a little less stressful, a little less full of sickness and death and loss because we believe. But the fact is we live in a broken world and all those things that try to tear us down are a part of this world until we leave it or until Jesus returns. Our prayers don't fall on deaf ears. As a matter of fact, our prayers don't even have to be spoken aloud because Christ died and that curtain was torn. Romans chapter 8 is just incredible as a whole, but these two verses are probably my favorite verses from Scripture. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We can never be separated from the love of God. Our needs are met with the response of a God who knows what's best for us. Being the supervisor of the electronics department at Walmart I worked at was clearly not what I was meant to do. If I'd gotten the job, I probably would have stayed even longer than my way too long span of 10 years, and I ultimately would have been even more miserable than I already was. I was rejected by the girls I was interested in previously that I don't remember, so so that this oblivious Star Wars-loving sneaker enthusiast, food-appreciative, bearded weirdo could meet the amazing woman that I'm married to today. I managed to complete the sale of that 28, uh, it ended up being $28,000. They backed off on some of the materials they wanted to use, but a, a $28,000 flooring job. And I ended up having the small sense of accomplishment of getting it done. But I also came to the realization through that that it was not in my best interest to continue working in retail. <laughs> my mental state did drastically improve whenever I went to NVR building products and got away from working with people. <laughs> Not that I don't love people. It's just different in retail. Anyways, I digress. (laughs) After losing my job in October of last year, I ended up getting a job interview based solely on the resume that I submitted to ZipRecruiter. The job wasn't one that I had even applied for. I applied for dozens of jobs, and that was one that I never even put any application in for. They just contacted me. And even though I kind of, at this point, have sort of a love-hate relationship with the job because it's super boring, I am driving about an hour less back and forth to work each each day. I'm making more money than I was making there. I have less physical strain on my body. And I have more days off a week than my previous job at NVR. My poor decisions with money and credit cards caused me to do a bit of growing up. And again, I won't say that I'm even remotely close to being some sort of financial guru. But I have improved from where I was. But more importantly, I also feel that my struggles 
and the eventual aid of my parents through the years of me being a bit of a dummy <laughs> led me to being more appreciative of my mom and dad and how much they love and care about me. And I'll continue to urge you to believe that God loves you so much in times of trouble. To, I'm sorry, to believe in the God that loves you so much in times of trouble. Because if I had done that, some of these situations might have ended up differently or they might have been resolved in a quicker fashion. I'll never know. But I did want to go back to my previous struggles to show that God works for our good even when we don't actively seek him out. I don't have a doubt in my mind that his hand was in all of those situations in addition to countless other aspects of my life. I just have a couple more thoughts before we close this morning. I'd like to take a look at two different viewpoints, those of the believer and of the non-believer. Now, back in March, the band Fall Out Boy released their latest album, (laughs) So Much for Stardust. And there's a track on the album that's entitled The Pink Seashell. And originally, I thought that this was something that was recorded specifically for the album, but apparently it's not. It is actually an excerpt put to uh, music from the 1994 film Reality Bites, which I'm going to have Chrissy play this clip for you, and I apologize that the quality is terrible. uh, Five years old. And I saw my father about three times a year after that. They missed an important part at the beginning. My parents got divorced when I was uh, five years old. And I saw my father about three times a year after that. And when he found out that he had cancer, he decided to, to bring me here. And he gives me this big pink seashell. And he says to me, son, the answers are all inside of this. And I'm all like, what? But then I realized, I realized that... The shell's empty. There's no point to any of this. It's all just a a random lottery of meaningless tragedy and a series of near escapes. So I take pleasure in the details. A quarter pounder with cheese. Those are good. The sky is about ten minutes before it starts to rain. A moment where your laughter becomes a cackle. I sit back and I I smoke my camel straights and I ride my own melt. Parents got divorced. Okay, so for the record, if you don't know what the, the term ride my own melt means, which I did not know either, it basically, according to the internet, means to go one's own way, enjoying the pleasure of the here and now and ignoring what others think. But I just want you to think about the words that he said in that. That it's all just a a random lottery of meaningless tragedy and a series of near escapes. Now, when I originally thought that this was just the actor Ethan Hawke describing something that he experienced, I just thought to myself, what a terrible shame to live a life with no hope like that. To simply write off life as a meaningless tragedy and a series of near escapes. To have nothing to hold on to but the tiny pleasures of the world rather than the possibility that if you've been saved, there is life eternal waiting when this life is passed. And even after discovering that the whole thing was a created line of dialogue for a movie, all I could think was, someone wrote those lines. 
someone decided to randomly put this dialogue in a track, in as a track on an album of music, it doesn't matter that this wasn't Ethan Hawke describing his own life experience. This idea exists. There are people out there who think like this. There are people who experience the tragedies and problems that life bring us. And not only do they not turn to God for wisdom or comfort or hope, but they don't even believe that God exists. But then there's the other end of the spectrum. And I know I've already kept you here for a bit. I'm not sure what my time is because I didn't really time this out. But stay with me for just a few more minutes. Chrissy's going to turn on another video, and it's a simple song with a powerful message. It's called Believe. Catch me when I fall right And you hear me when I call crying And you fix me when I'm broke right And that's all I need to know So the storm is gonna break right And the sun is gonna start shining And everything is gonna go right and That's all I need to know What if you know something I don't
This is the difference that God makes in the struggles of this life. And you don't understand that yet because even though they briefly touched on, you know, if I'm, I'm broke, are you gonna, you're gonna fix me right and, and things of that nature. What you don't know is about the artist that sang that song, or at least I'm assuming you don't. So his name is Blessing Ofor, and he was born in Nigeria, and he and his family moved to the United States when he was six years old um, because he had a problem with his eye. Uh, he was basically born practically blind due to a glaucoma in his eye, and his parents hoped that they would move to the United States and having more advanced medical technology, they would be able to try to correct his vision. However, by the age of 10, he had lost sight in both eyes due to a water gun accident. And Blessing had already started teaching himself to play the piano, much of it by ear, prior to losing his vision. Much like two of his musical influences, Sam Cooke and Stevie Wonder, Blessing composes his own music on his piano. Um, he played music at bars in his younger years and later was on the music competition show The Voice, but it was eventually eliminated from the competition. His father was the first person in his family to convert from Muslim to Christianity, and Blessing went through his own faith journey during college during which he was led back to Christ because of the gospel message. Uh, and I was reading an article, it was an interview that he did with the Christian Post, and he says, I don't want anybody else's life but mine, because whatever they're going through, it's not for you. So we all find ourselves exactly right where God wants us to be and equipped for the thing he wants us to be doing. And Blessing of Four's story is such a sharp contrast to the contrived but believable lines delivered by Ethan Hawke in the previous video. Because his story is a story that has hope. Despite the fact that he has been blind since he was a child, he still chose to, to become a Christian. To, his, his music isn't all overtly Christian music, but he, he says that he sees himself as a, an artist who is Christian rather than a Christian artist, but he also <laughs> steers away from doing things that he shouldn't because his dad is a very devout Christian. Um, but even d despite his shortcomings, I wouldn't even say they're shortcomings because he now has this incredible gift that he's developed because, in spite of his blindness. The fact is we all face struggles in our life. If you're a Christian, you know what it is you believe. But the question is when things don't go the way we expect it to, when God doesn't answer our prayers the way that we want, will you still believe in his love? Let us pray. <clears throat> our dear Heavenly Father, we're so blessed to be here this morning to be able to offer up our praise to you. And we know that we live in a broken world that's just full of things that seemingly happen to, to good people all the time. Every time that we have prayer requests, there's a new story of someone who has cancer or someone who's lost a loved one. 
and for us as just mere humans it's it's devastating but at the same time if that person knows Christ we know that they have a hope because of what comes after i just pray that as we spend our time here on this planet that we believe in what it is that you've given us and we believe even in spite of our circumstances that we praise you in all things. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.